Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you are listening to the recap episode of The Winter of the Witch, book three of the Winter Night Trilogy by Catherine Arden. This was a weird one. This was a weird, marvelously weird. Oh, fantastic. So great. There were parts during this movie that I, or during this movie, there were parts during this book that I would just like sit back and like revel in the oddness and the magical wonderment of it all. Uh, we'll get to the specifics later, but I was just like multiple times. I thought to myself, this is why I read fantasy novels, like chasing that like mysterious adventure where you're out like finding and discovering new things and the wild wonders of the wild lands you know you just really have no idea what's going to happen next here and it's the third book right i mean like we should be kind of settled almost but no (laughs) but no i mean there's just like things are appearing in this book that just weren't even mentioned in the first two that totally <laughs> and you're just like wait wait what is that oh my god yeah vasia is without a doubt one of my favorite characters that i've read this year i loved reading this character i agree uh with the caveat of man i super fell in love with dimitri he was just like my favorite i mean he wasn't the main character or anything so i can't be like i liked him more but like i kind of liked him more <laughs> not that i didn't like Vasya, that's just speaking to how awesome he was. Really, really well filled out cast here. Except one of my favorite characters dies in like the seventh page. And oh yeah, that, I uh, couldn't believe it. I really couldn't because oh. like when a horse breaks its leg, it's like over for the horse. Yeah, and I thought maybe so. like Morozko was going to show up and like swoop him out of there or something. Right. And I, I just couldn't believe that we were killing off Solovey. Oh my god. Right away. That was really difficult to read. So difficult to read. And he was like scared and she was oh. upset and there was like this mob. Like a Nothing mob was by about itself it. is terrifying. Terrifying. We're going to get into this in the in the recap obviously, but just an excellent cap to this whole trilogy. Nice and different and it stood out a lot from the other books. Like I kind of get this thing sometimes when I'm reading a trilogy where like a few things really stand out from like the first book and the last book, but not really like the middle as much. Each one of these books has multiple points that I can see vividly in my mind. Same. It's probably why I called it a movie at the beginning of this episode. It was a movie <laughs> in my mind the whole time. Just the very, descriptions very. were so good. Also, I feel like she, uh, Catherine Arden, practiced or something on her large-scale battles. Because at no point during, and we'll get into this, but at no point during the big battle at the end that, by its right, should have been the most chaotic and hard for me to understand and track, it was laid out beautifully. I was thinking of you when I was reading those things. <laughs> really? Because I, well, because I thought myself, like, these... This is all great. The great. one thing that you and I agreed was not like the best, like most well-executed part of these books was the really complicated action scenes. Yeah. And Catherine Arden sticks the landing on not, not just one wild battle, but there's two in yeah. this in this Triple book. pirouettes and sticks the landing. <laughs> I love how you said that. She totally does stick that landing. I was also really worried about everybody in this book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I felt that a lot. Um, I was worried for Olga. I was worried about Sasha. I was worried about Maria. Kind of like with um, Greenbone, what Fonda Lee was able to do with those books is, 
give me the impression that nobody's safe. Nobody's here. safe. Except for, I mean, like Vasia. I figured. I don't know. I was never really worried about Vasia. Me neither, except for at the very end. I was like, she might die or become more than she is sort of thing, you know, like everywhere but nowhere sort of thing. The other Death King. Yeah, something. like yeah. Baga Yaga Part 2. I don't know. Before we get into the, into the recap, I guess like one thing is that I just didn't really buy the, <laughs> the romance at all. Yeah. Like, I'm not, saying exactly I, what you were gonna I'm not saying it was bad. It was not bad. And it was, it was for the most part, believable. But I just, I just didn't really feel it. Like, Morosco no. just doesn't really... I could feel it on Vasia's end, right? But just Morosco just doesn't really do it for me. Like, I don't... Yeah, I felt much more of like a father-daughter relationship or like a protector sort of vibe, not like a, a romantic one. It kind of surprised me. Like, I don't know. We, I felt like we had all the components for a meal, but it, we didn't go through any of the cooking process. All of a sudden, we just like, bam, had a burger. And I was like, oh, oh I guess, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess that can make a burger. But I didn't see it happen. And it was kind of not like off-putting or anything, but it could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Because like you said, it seemed a little sudden. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it really took away from anything, really. Because the thing that was like tying my emotional connection to that relationship was the way that Vasya felt about it and not necessarily the relationship itself. Mm. Like, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. It was important to Vasya, so therefore it was like important to me. Right. Even though I was kind of like, I mean, I guess. Like, I guess. Is he even, like, fully solid? <laughs> I mean, there's a part in these books where he must be. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, let's just get right into the first recap. I'm ready to talk about this at length. Me too, dude. Cheers to you. I got my um, my traditional final episode of a recap series drink. So, cheers, mate. Okay, here we go. The book begins in Moscow, the day after the fire that overtook the city. Sasha and Dmitri survey the damage, lamenting the fire's destruction. They discover the bridle that Cassian had used to trap the golden mare in the stable's ashes, still intact despite the flames. Vasya and Maria speak about Cherts at Olga's palace, and are directed inside by Varvara as Solove warns Vasya of the sound of a crowd descending on the palace gate. A mob appears demanding Vasya come out, accusing her of witchcraft. She gives herself to the mob, caring only for her sister's household. The mob is led by Constantine. As Vasya and Solove try to outrun the mob, an angry citizen breaks Solove's leg. They fall to the ground, and Solove is butchered. Vasya is enraged and wrecked with grief. Constantine says the judgment of God must come, and instructs the mob to take Vasya. Vasya is taken outside of town and thrown into a church. Sasha and Dmitri learn of the rioters and rally men to save her, but they are too late. The mob constructs a pyre, places Vasya in a cage, and attempts to execute her by fire. She manages to magic herself out of the cage as the fire is growing in size and heat, and is met by the bear, who claims his brother Morosko has imprisoned himself in order to free the bear to save Vasya. Vasya refuses his help, and is rescued instead by Varvara, who sends her into the realm of midnight, instructing Vasya to find a lake with a tree at its edge. Constantine slips away from the confusion as Sasha and Dmitri arrive in time to see the burnt cage and pile of ash absent of Vasya's bones. Constantine is confronted by the bear, who promises power and women and comfort if he will do his bidding. 
Constantine agrees. The bear raises an undead child to disturb the city in the night, and then uses Constantine to banish it in front of the city. Constantine's popularity grows. Sasha learns that it was Constantine who led the mob and asks Dimitri for justice. Dimitri agrees, but is tricked by Constantine's smooth words. He cannot do anything as the city loves Constantine for banishing the undead child. Sasha is sent to retrieve the holiest man in Rus from the Lavra, Brother Sergei. Vasya travels the perpetual dark realm of midnight, who refuses to help her. She is tired and broken from the mob, and struggles to find the tree and the lake. She is helped by a swamp demon, then Pizar, the golden mare, appears and leads her to the lake with the tree, where she finds an old house. She discovers a Dumavoya in the house's oven, though it has long been abandoned. Vasya recovers and speaks with the Dumavoya, who cannot remember the house's former occupant. She claims Vasya is her new master. Vasya sets out to collect food and is told to come before sunset or risk returning to a different season. She meets a mushroom spirit who helps her find food in the forest. She also goes for a swim and after a confrontation with the Bejianik, the spirit of the lake, is returned much later in the day than when she began swimming. She resigns herself to a night by the lakeside. The mushroom spirit appears and we learn about the war between Morozko the Winter King and his twin brother Medved, the bear and king of summer. Vasya is woken during the night by Pazar, wounded, rushing out of the trees. The mare is followed by the bear, who tries to convince Vasya to join him so she can get her revenge on the world. She refuses. Undead rise to kill her, but she is saved by an old woman. Vasya learns that the old woman is Baba Yaga the long-dead witch of the wood. Baba Yaga reveals she is Vasya's great-grandmother and offers to train her if Vasya will forget the land of the living. Vasya refuses, saying she must help her family, and the woman leaves. The mayor agrees to help Vasya find the way down the path of midnight to find the Winter King and rescue him. The mushroom spirit comes along as well. Vasya helps to save some men by the river, recently flooded by the River King. She learns that the River King was instructed to do so by the bear and to take the silver tribute they were sending to the Khan's generals. The leader of the men is revealed as Olga's husband, Vladimir. Vasya is found by Midnight, who agrees to help her find the Winter King. They travel through many different Midnights in many different lands, but finally arrive at a small wintry village. Midnight claims this is where the Winter King is imprisoned. Vasya manages to get inside the great hall at the center of town where a feast is in full swing. She learns this is a feast for the Winter King himself and that he is not so much imprisoned as in a place where the people love, worship, and fear him. Morozko has no memory of Vasya. She confronts him and they fight with knives. Morozko wins and, defeated, Vasya passes out after harsh words from the Winter King, who carries her off. Vasya wakes in a bathhouse where the Winter King has taken her, and after a brief discussion, she bathes. Morosko joins, and they make love. Morosko now remembers Vasya, and they rest in each other's arms. He agrees to come back and help her. Okay, so a lot of that was just bonkers. <laughs> That's like the only word I can think like, of. Typically, especially in the third book, you're like, oh man, the end is going to be so great. This book? had some excellent moments long excellent moments the entire way through 
like the, the ending started for me when they hit the path of midnight. Like that was like when it got awesome and then just remained awesome the entire time. I mean, it was awesome before, but it was like culminating right then. The path, the midnight trek, ugh, what a magical, awesome experience. I loved that. So I was like giddy, like, oh, gave me that like Harry Potter first time, 10 year old, like <laughs> uh, just like chasing that juice, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was initially kind of like, wait a minute where the hell are we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I, I think it was because I ha I just read Dark Matter and there's a lot in that book where they're in kind of like this weird like space bet between realms kind of thing. Mm, like in between land. But is that what is that what the Midnight Lands was? Or is that just a different... Is the See, this is what I had a little bit of trouble with and I kind of wanted to talk to you about it. Is the Midnight Lands... Is that Midnight's like territory? Or is that like another word for like the area in which they are able to travel to different territories? Or what? I'm I'm a little I was oh, a little confused about that. They can they confuse realm and pathway a lot, and I kind of in my mind made midnight's realm, midnight's pathway, which is solely when you're on the midnight road and you're going from midnight to midnight to midnight, and every place that you stop at, even the lake with the house in it that she finds sucker at the word is so gross. I don't know why I use it. <laughs> no, that, that word works. <laughs> you used it right. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not just, it's a good read, but then you say it and you're like, Oh, that's gross sounding. Um, but yeah, even there, I don't think that's her. I don't think that's midnight's land. Like that land has all sorts of weird, different properties. It's a magical place, but I don't think it's Midnight's Realm, but you use Midnight's Road to get to it. I think Midnight's Realm is the road. It doesn't help that there's a character named Midnight. Uh, yeah, that's confusing. Too. And there's, <laughs> it seems like Midnight, the time, has some sort of special significance here, right? Yeah, which they never got to. I, mean, I don't really, I mean, is that like the time that you're able to traverse this stuff? Well, I guess, you know, it's the time, oh, it's the time between, I mean, it's not the time, it is the time after it becomes the next day, but right before that, right before that, there's the time in between, which is the time between days, which is where her pathway is, which is the time between lands where you can use it to go betwixt everything, and you can go to any midnight that there ever was, will be, or has been, so it's not so much as a place as it is a time, too, you know? Oh, I love that. This sounds kind of dumb, but I kind of really enjoyed it not being super explained to me. Yeah. Like Vasya gets it, and that's all I need. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess a part of me kind of wishes that it had been just for the sake of me being able to like understand exactly where they were. Yeah, but like the point of it is kind of like our human brains aren't like spirit fitted enough to, to <laughs> understand it. You know, when um, Vasya turns to midnight and she's like, they're all like shivering. She's like, are we deep in your lands now? Midnight's like, yeah. I was like, yes, <laughs> we're deep. <laughs> we could walk out into like an alien world. Who even knows? Of course, I don't know if it would work for aliens. Cause like, I don't know if they use the gregarian, you know, sun, midnight, midnight, whatever. <laughs> I have no idea touched on this obviously at the beginning of the episode but reading reading solovoy dying oh. <laughs> i was like mad yeah. <laughs> like i think i had the thought like okay catherine what did that what could what possible good for the story could that have done i was like 
so incredulous. Yeah. <laughs> it was like uh, when um, Islington killed off that guard of, um, of oh, the princes. Yeah, yeah, Weir's friend who was just nothing. But he was like the only guy, the only honest person in like the whole book series. Just dies like a nothing death for no reason. It reminded me of uh, when Sean Astin's character dies at the end of Stranger Things season two. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're just like, they did him so what dirty. Like he was the best character in the show, like easily. Yeah, because Sean Astin is the best in anything he's in. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I just I got that kind of really incredulous kind of like, man, like this is a bad book now. Like <laughs> I didn't really feel like that, but um, but I mean, obviously, I had the thought that maybe Vasya needed that in a weird way. Yeah, like well, she she was kind of like not obviously not like skating through any of this but it's almost like i guess for lack of a better word like solo boy was kind of like a, a crutch i guess in like a way but not not crutch is a strong word also what a what a way to set the scene for the horror of the next part of that which is her very probable death destruction by fire yeah i didn't know we were gonna have like a literal witch burning oh my gosh book that kind of those kinds of scenes always i don't know they're so unsettling especially if they're mm -hmm. written in the way you know the the quality that Catherine arden did there where it's just i don't know i've, I've always been really weird about crowds yeah uh, i don't like crowds <laughs> uh, and i don't like angry ones and i've been part of angry ones like protesting and stuff Oof. and i just arden did a really good job at just not only just it's not just this angry crowd right it's this 13th century enraged mob led yes. by an Righteous. insane priest <laughs> yeah. no thank you no, like, like no, that no, would no, be no. that would be fucking terrifying <laughs> like oh and if, like imagine imagine that you're that that, that you're that situation exists and you are the center of that mob's attention and they oh. think that you're a witch oh nope Ugh, god and like oh. all of that in the first couple chapters. So we're just rolling right along. Yeah. I love it when a book picks up right after the last one ends, you know, oh, like I a movie that. does that too. Where they like step out the gate on the adventure and the sh show ends or whatever. You're like, ah, and then it picks up. He's like stepping farther out the gate. You're like, yeah, you know, I hate it when there's like time passes. Cause you totally I don't know FOMO. I don't want to miss out on anything. And this happened right then. I was like, yeah, good on you. Yeah, like as soon as Dimitri and Sasha found that bridle, I was like, "Hey, we got a MacGuffin!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I'm so I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm so not keyed into the since I'm not a writer, you know, I don't think about those liter literature elements. MacGuffin's a weird thing. I mean, I think that some it has like a negative connotation. I feel like I think people look down on it, and they're kind of like, like trope. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that the the kind of agreed upon definition of MacGuffin seems to be it's like some sort of item that doesn't necessarily matter it just serves to move everybody around it's like motivation yeah. to get people going and then once they get it they don't really need it so I don't know right. if this like really fits the exact definition yeah exactly so that's why I feel like they don't it doesn't really like I've heard the Lord of the Rings like the the ring called the MacGuffin before it's like is it but it's also like very powerful they use it a bunch of times so it's not but it is the driving force of the story i think the reason and i could be super wrong about this but i think the reason that it's kind of looked down on is that like an object shouldn't necessarily motivate the character like the situation should 
you know, okay. or like, or like, you know what it's I mean? Like, a, like, it's like a or, comedian using nothing but swear words and dirty humor or something. I don't know. I, I've never really had a problem with it. I like chasing after stuff. It's fun. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't me know, too. Whatever. Like the like, Maltese Falcon, that movie, that's definitely a MacGuffin. It's yeah, like it useless, yeah. but it's just driving the story. The initial setup for this book was just really, really great in that we had a goal. At least I, I thought we did. You know, like the, the bridal was just very, it's in the first chapter. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I just I knew at some point it's a thing. this was gonna come into play. You know, Vasya is just she's in she's in the hole, the the proverbial hole in the very beginning of this book, and then like watching her like crawl out of it really well put together. I wonder if um this is just kind of coming to me now. I wonder if one of the major lessons she learned from Solovey's murder was that she can't do everything alone because she's really, really, really independent, almost to a fault. She always tries to do things alone and like not put anybody else in in um danger. But she by doing so, she locked Sol away, Solave away, took away his choice, and then he got it back by bashing the door down. And like, you know, he probably the same thing would have happened if they just helped each other from the get-go, but like maybe not. So maybe she kind of learned, you know, and all throughout the rest of the book, whenever she kind of has a very tough thing in front of her, she's constantly going to find help. Oh, yeah. I didn't really notice that, but I think you're totally right about that. Me neither. I just kind of got it. <laughs> That's what happens when <laughs> you talk to people. Yeah. What did you think about Baba Yaga? I liked Baba Yaga. I oh, wish really? we had seen more. Wasn't a fan. I mean, I, w- I didn't want to hang out with her. Like old crusty hag. Well, I mean, I just thought it was interesting, like, you know, because uh, Arden probably could have just had this kind of like, because it's mentioned that Baba Yaga is like crazy. Right. You know, she's like, yeah, I am crazy. What are you going to do about it? I don't think it would have had as much gravity to it if if she was just like this kind of um, like crazy, but just nice kind of um, yeah. ab- like absent minded old woman. That was I'm glad that that that's why I like the character. It's because like I'm just glad that that wasn't the case. It was like she had like this kind of misplaced, in my opinion, misplaced anger at yes. her daughter, Tamara, for leaving yeah that's probably why i thought she sucked yeah i mean like it's i mean it's not cool (laughs) but it's also like i don't know just interesting to see the the family dynamic here baba yaga if you really wanted to trace it all back is her reaction to tomorrow leaving with um cassian Ooh, interesting kind of began the whole thing yeah like maybe if she had like not been super upset or not Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like not reacted the way that she did like maybe she would have been able to like salvage that relationship to the point where like tomorrow might have come back or you know what i mean it's it's um it's really interesting it felt she felt like a really real kind of catalyst almost like a she's really important to yeah she is very important and she um act as she acted as the like purpose after the story you know the story after the story we like know what she's going to be doing what vasya is going to be doing at least mm-hmm. um and she is the vehicle that will enable her to become you know fulfill her potential and and her and she offered vasya she was like hey i'll you can hang here yeah <laughs> vasya is just out here refusing everybody Dude, All everybody and everything. <laughs> uh, I think also why I didn't like her is because she kept being like, she left me, she left her own kin for a man. And then Vasya would be like, I have to go help my family. And she's like, forget about the rest of the world. It's like, dude, you can't like kin once and then not kin later. Like, come on. It's either kin or not kin, homie. Look what know, they did her... to me. 
Yeah, but you're right. She was like visceral and real and also served as like a, a warning to Vasya of like, watch out, dude. You don't want to become some old crackpot. But she wasn't crackpot enough to be unbelievable and like mellowed down and, and corners all rounded out. She was like, she, she was a good character. I just didn't like her. <laughs> that's cool. That's that's a that's still a good Wouldn't character. Hang. Wouldn't hang oh, with old Baba Yag. I think one of my favorite parts of the entire book was when Vasya's in the lake and that lake spirit comes oh, yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Bejianik. Bejianik. I looked up pictures of that thing, and it is creepy looking. If you're listening right now, like type this in. I'll let me spell it out for you. B-A-G-I-E-N-N-I-K. That is some real Russian folklore there. And that thing is really, really spooky looking. Holy and fuck. Yeah, wow. I know. I looked it up and I was reading at like three in the morning and I was oh. just, <laughs> it's just I, I, I was like, I wonder what that thing looks like. And I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> this is, um, so it, it made that scene, uh, it gave it a lot more gravity because she's just kind of swimming along and this thing. Oh, he was right, a fish in my mind. No, it's not a fish. <laughs> it's no, not a fish. No. And he's like, he's like, I'm super paraphrasing here, but he's just like, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, I don't even have time for this shit right now. Like, yeah, not, you don't no, control you're not. me, mofa. Yeah, you are not going to eat me. I've got shit to do, okay? And he's just like, Go, okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> just, God, Vasya is just so cool. So cool. Well, it's part of her learning, and maybe she already she, she knows it in her bones at that point, but she probably hasn't like formalized the thought in her brain. But she says it later when she's talking to the king of the river. And she gets him to stop flooding Vladimir's camp. Mm -hmm. She plays out what the River King thinks is going to happen, where she's like terrified and she screams. And then he, you know, does something else and she swoons and then he drowns her and, you know, he gets his meal and realizes that their power is in the assumption of their power and not in actually their power. And if you just don't give them that, then you take away what they have over you and, she never gives them that. But now looking at this thing's face on Google here, I'm oh, good <laughs> on you, Vasya. <laughs> yeah. I would have been like, I guess I'm getting eaten. Yeah, man. Okay. Cool. I just think it's really awesome that Vasya doesn't lose any of her like tenacity through these books mm-hmm. in favor of taking up more responsibility. Because yeah. that is a that's a fine line to walk, right? I mean, it's like you don't want to lose your passion for things. Um by by kind of like assuming responsibility for things that you need to do and um that is possible and i just think it's it's cool that she's it's almost like she's taken that that kind of hard-headedness that kind of um like stubbornness almost you could say but over the course of these books is learning where to apply it that was really cool to see and i think that part in the lake was it was it was just so refreshing to see a character after looking up a picture of what this thing looked like, <laughs> I think it really did help a lot. Dude, I literally know. had like a sturgeon in my head the whole no, time. Yeah. That thing is like ridiculous. It's like a creepy tree beard. Did you like uh, the uh, the, little, the little mushroom guy? Oh, man. He was dead just grab? awesome. Dead grip? It was dead grip. Dead grip? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, felt so bad because was... she like 
he he he's just talking to her about something i can't remember what it is but she's just <laughs> like the whole like solove dying and her almost getting burned to death and just everything that's been going wrong for the last few weeks or whatever <laughs> just kind of all culminates and she like she like hits him and i was just Chops like apart, oh my god head yeah off. like you poor little thing oh my god <laughs> and then she like immediately is just like what i'm a monster <laughs> it's so good but he's still so just good. the 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 little mushroom guy is still just like i'm the first one that was on I your will side be number one <laughs> and, and then, then he goes with her on the path yeah. and he's like i have to go back and he's so frustrated <laughs> and like mad at all oh, like what a cutie like i'm so glad so that he was in there and like i don't really think anything much really happened with him right like he just oh uh, no i don't think he i mean he was just handy to have around he brought him like food and he warned her that vladimir's camp was about to be flooded yeah I, i'm not saying he wasn't useful i'm just saying like there wasn't much of like a he just kind of goes back. Oh, yeah, yeah. He just kind of along <laughs> for the ride. <laughs> like, this story almost reads like literary fiction sometimes, right? Especially, like, a lot of the, the, the conversations that these characters are having. Will you define that for people who don't know? For people who don't know, I mean me. You need to define that for me. <laughs> I always, like, sum up literary fiction as, like, a guy living in Chicago that's, like, cheating on his wife. You know, oh, they, okay. Like, yeah, make yeah. A whole, they like make a whole book out of that. Right. It's like a fake story that's not no the magic. <laughs> but it's not Man, bad. You... Like I'll read no. it. I'll read it. I'll read it. It's cool. Like, yeah. Um. I think that it's it's a weird term because it's like um by that definition like if you're just saying you're taking um like a magic or like another dimension or whatever mm-hmm. out of, if you're taking like world building out of it or whatever like you could you could um categorize like political thrillers so many books. As, like yeah, a tom like clancy Drew. book Boom. is literary fiction I, yeah it's a i think that i think like another definition for literary fiction is that um while a lot of fantasy and science fiction and horror books and stuff like that um they, they seem to be really like plot driven um and then literary fiction is kind of more character driven hmm, uh, okay. i think that that's like another way that people kind of but i don't know man like i don't know every book is character driven right and, and right. plot driven <laughs> it's, like, it's like saying like this these cars are tire driven and these cars are engine driven and it's like, like okay. <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm maybe i need to go to college no i thought that was really good you don't need to go to college um oh, what nice. genre would you put these books into because they're not high fiction of course because they're not you know a fake world even though they kind of are but not really Oh, you mean high? They're not high fantasy. High fantasy. Sorry, yeah. High fantasy, yeah, high I would fantasy. say they probably don't fit into the high fantasy genre. I mean, I would. Is there, are they a fairy tale? There's no fairies in it. No, that's right. Does that is that a requirement? That no, oh, okay. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like, because you could do like the classic kind of. You know, you could do like a super long definition, or dark retelling fairy tale, or dark folklore retelling. Yeah, dark folklore retelling. I don't like know. that. I've never read anything like this. Like different things that are like kind of close. Like it kind of reminds me of um like Uprooted by Naomi Novik, hmm. or and um Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. Like na- like those are like the closest things, um at least for stuff that I've read. I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that people would think is similar to this. I mean, I mostly read like high fantasy and science fiction and horror, um and this is kind of like. There's parts of this that feel like a horror novel. Dude, straight up. I was just going to say, if you didn't mention it, she segues into horror delightfully well. She yeah. gracefully drifts onto the dance floor horror 
um, so well, man. There's just times that I'm so creeped out while reading these books and all three of them. Uh, before we move on here, um, I just got to say we were very much correct in our guess that we had not seen the last of old Constantine. Oh, no. Oh, no, man, no, 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 no. Ugly bastard. I don't even know at this point, like what he's even what his motivation is. Like, it seems to be just power, which is yeah, it totally, is. which is kind of like boring, um, but not sure. boring in the sense that I think he was badly written, but boring in the sense that, like, I think we're just not really supposed to care about Constantine. Yeah, well, he loses his God. He loses his reason to be alive. So what does he have left? Eh? Power, women, comfort, money. And that's what he asks Morozko for. But what do you mean he loses his God, though? Like, he doesn't. Like, he he tells Vasya, right? She's burning yeah. on the He's like, there is no God. He stops believing in God. I mean, I guess it makes sense that he would. You know, to a man who had committed his entire being to the worship of that thing to no longer believe it anymore, you're lost. Right. But I don't I don't see the connection between that, like him him no longer being um kind of like affiliated, I guess, with like if this is the Christian God they're dealing with, right? Like they yeah, yeah, yeah. well not dealing with, um, but this is like what they're talking about with with bells and churches and this is the the christian god yeah yeah uh, I, I just i don't really see the connection between him losing faith which i understand um and like having it out for this woman like what does he what does he hope to gain out of this oh i don't know why he has it out for vasya he just hates her he just spites her because he's a child i mean i guess it, maybe he thinks that she's kind of responsible for his lack of faith in a way she like represents like the reality that he didn't even want to see but now he can maybe exactly maybe we're exactly. looking a little bit too hard into it but like i just remember no, I reading think, i think wow. that's right i just remember reading and thinking why doesn't this guy just fuck off like i don't <laughs> like because it's because later in the book and even in the previous book and the one before that there are moments where he does get like these opportunities almost but when he's leading the mob like that's him nobody's telling mm -hmm. him to do that and so i guess i just kind of like i don't know if i missed it or if it if that's like all he's got left is just like burning this woman at this like it, in his weird twisted head he thinks like if i can at least just execute this witch like i'll at least have done something but it's like by then he doesn't even believe in the god that maybe would like kind of have his back again if he was able right. to do like, that wouldn't you want to applaud the person who revealed your own ignorance he revealed the truth that there is no god if there truly wasn't you know but he's like hates her for it you know probably because he never truly thought that there was no god and he was just allowing himself to be swept up in the ways yeah. of evil what a terrible person like, i know I, what a troubled soul i mean it's funny because and this is gonna this might sound a little cheesy but it ain't easy being cheesy folks but, <laughs> but like even that was cheesy but this is gonna sound a little bit cheesy but like it is ironic that the real monsters here are men right like the the like constantine is worse mm -hmm. than these gods that have this eternal war going that are kind of like even like um Marazko and the bear um and even like some of the other chairs you know, they seem like monstrous. They seem, but they're just like, they're just doing their spirit thing. Right. Like the spirit of the hearth. I'm hearthing, man. But then you've got Cassian and Constantine who are just terrible. Absolutely terrible. fucking terrible. And yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting. 
because at the beginning of this trilogy you almost think that like Morazco is like the villain oh for um, sure you kind of mi- misled to think that mm-hmm. yeah the, the villains end up becoming uh the the people in our own lives that's uh that's something something to think yeah. something to chew on folks there's some thought uh, some ponder thought food right there <laughs> for like Catherine sure. arden's like listening to this like i didn't mean that at all like, no like, <laughs> no no <laughs> uh whatever i'm having a good whatever. time uh you ready for the next section here i'm having a good time too. yeah let's do this let's do the next one all right let's do it Vasya and the Winter King join back up with Pojhar and his own horse and travel back along the midnight road. Constantine convinces Dmitri to let him have a service in the cathedral, though the city is suffering from the plague. Medved plots to spread the plague and raise an army of the undead. Vasya and Morozko come upon Sasha and Rodion, who are bringing Father Sergei back to Moscow. They are very reluctant to work with Morozko, but are convinced by Vasya. Despite an attempt to thwart them by Midnight's sister, they make it to the city. The guards all but arrest Sasha and escort him straight to Dmitri. But not before Sasha and the monks create a distraction that helps Vasya and Morozko enter the city. Medved is waiting for them inside the gates, and him and Morozko begin fighting. Morozko urges Vasya to hurry and collect the golden bridle before nightfall, when his brother's power will be the strongest. Vasya goes to Olya, who helps her break into the keep. Constantine is told by a gloating house spirit that Vasya is alive and Medved has been lying to him, and he has only to step inside the keep to see the truth for himself, which he does. Vasya tries to sneak out undetected, but their eyes meet and he recognizes her immediately starts yelling for her capture. Vasya hides as Dmitri's soldiers search for her. She makes it to the treasure room, but almost goes insane from using too much magic. She summons Morosco to her side, and he helps talk her off the brink of madness. They find the golden bridle and hurry out of the castle. Vasya is then confronted in the keep's grounds by Constantine, who is holding a knife to Olya's throat. The bear is with him, and as the day is ending, he calls forth his army of undead. The shambling army arrives, but so does Dmitri, who is aware of the evils of Constantine, and was only treating Sasha with mistrust to trick Constantine. A battle begins, but the living are sorely pressed, as they cannot kill the horde, only hack them apart and watch as they rise again. Sasha and Father Sergei arrive and banish the entire undead army. Constantine is moved by this, realizing that Medved has lied to him about much more than just Vasya being alive, and in his shame, slits his own throat. Vasya is able to get the bridle around Medved, and he is defeated and taken away by Morozko. Vasya and Sasha meet with Dmitri, and are told that the Tatar's army is marching to Moscow. Vasya decides to try and find Olya's missing husband, Vladimir, and Sasha insists upon coming with her. Olya meets Morozko, and while she does not approve of her sister's choice, she does give them her blessing. Sasha and Vasya set off along the midnight road to rescue Vladimir, but end up walking right into the middle of the Tatar's camp and are taken captive. They learn that Vladimir is prisoner here as well. Vasya is being questioned by Oleg, one of Dmitri's boyars, whose loyalties have run thin and joined sides with the Tatars. 
She tries to get him to switch back, and while he does help her, he does not agree to switch, saying that he might if the circumstances become favorable. After much cunning, magic, luck, and some help from Pojar, Vasya manages to escape into midnight. Knowing she needs a power greater than her own, Vasya goes to where Morosco has imprisoned his brother and makes a deal with him. As allies, they set off toward the Tatar army. She also uses the golden bridle to ensnare Midnight and brings her along to help. Vasya, Medved, Midnight, and the Mare return to the Tatar camp and rescue Sasha and Vladimir. Vasya returns to Dmitri, who is on the march with his army, delivering her brother and Vladimir. She makes a deal with Dmitri, who agrees to work with her and the spirits to defeat the Tatars. Vasya returns to the army to harry them and demoralize them as much as possible before the battle begins. The Russians and the Tatars finally meet, and Sasha volunteers to go before all in a single combat against the Tatars' champion. Morozko shows up again as the winter season is approaching and his power is returning. He is not pleased that Vasya has released his brother, but agrees to help her in the upcoming battle. The Tatars have accepted Sasha's challenge to single combat, and their champion, Chelebe, rides to meet Sasha. They fight, and Sasha wins, though not before receiving a mortal wound. Sasha dies shortly after. Vasya returns to the battle full of rage at her brother's death and fights alongside the spirits and the Russian army. She manages to find Oleg, and he decides to change sides. He has the Tatar army between him and Dmitri's army and executes a classic hammer and anvil, crushing the Tatar army between them. After a long and hard fight, Vasya and company emerge victorious. With his side of the bargain fulfilled, Medved clears out to make mischief in the open world, but not before, with the help of Morozko, they bring her horse Solove back to life. The spirits pledge their allegiance to Vasya as she fulfilled her word, and they trust that she is going to restore their place in the world of men. Father Sergei agrees that the priest should tell the people to worship the new god and the old gods, so that the spirits can live on. The book ends with Solove, Morozko, and Vasya, walking into the path to midnight, to return to where it all started at his grove. After resting there, she will go to the house by the lake and learn from her grandmother, the Baga Yaga and create a new land where spirits and men can live together in wonder and peace. That was beautiful, Chad. Thank you. I always love writing the ends, you know, and trying to like wrap it up nicely and kind of like, it's hard to like convey the same emotions that you get from like 500 words into like eight, you know, <laughs> but Seriously. I try. and it's just fun to do. Cause that's exactly how I felt was just like, Oh, it's not even a time of ending. It was like a time of new beginnings, you know, which is a great way for a book to end, especially one that's kind of like playing with the fairy tale realm, you know? Yeah. What did you think about that whole, I don't know what to call it. The, the whole thing with Vasya has to like unite Christendom and these old Russian gods almost like, what do you, what do you think about all that? Well, first off, Sergey is very open-minded. Right, very <laughs> like it, open. He's just he's like, like, eh, yeah, eh, that makes sense. God works in mysterious. I kept hearing like my <laughs> Jewish fathers being like, God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> he doesn't have a Jewish accent though. Like the <laughs> ultimate like kind of like 
hey, you know, yeah. uh, who can ponder the mind of the master? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but truly, you know, um, we see what we can see from our perspective. So uh, uh, perhaps there's a larger one out there that sees more. And I think Syria kind of tapped into that idea. Who knows what the larger picture holds? And Vasya, you don't see, he goes by his gut a lot, I think. And he was feeling that like Vasya wasn't evil. Right. And there's a really, really good quote in this book that I think kind of sums up a lot of that. And I'll read it here. It's, there are no monsters in the world and no saints, only infinite shades woven into the same tapestry, light and dark. One man's monster is another man's beloved. The wise know that. That is pure fucking poetry. That's that's awesome. That is pure and fucking poetry indeed. That really plays into like I mean Sergey is a really minor character in these books but very important in yes. that conversation. Uh, is he like the is he like the main Yeah, he's like the pope figure of Russ, I think. Really? Is he that high up? I mean, I think so, because they keep okay. referring to him as the holiest land in all of Ross. Ross. So, like, I don't know. I kind of made him like like Papa, Papa Sergei. That is a really, really good line for these books. Like, and it, it kind of applies to Morozko. It applies to Medved. I mean, you could even make the case that it applies to Constantine. Like, look at the way that yeah. he kind of went out there. Yeah, he realized his own shame. And that he would have been just tricked by his own like lusts and desires and then slit his own throat. Like, yeah, that wow. was, isn't that a sacrilege? Oh, I know he's not, he's not um, doing the, it's Catholic, the... I think. Oh, is it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Christians frown <laughs> upon it as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, one man's monster is another man's beloved. I like, like that. And that infinite is... shades, like no monsters, no saints. So good. Actually, I mean, while we're doing quotes, I kind of want to read another one here. Oh, dude, please. Um, we should always try to find a couple. Yeah, I, when I you do, like did that. I was like, we should do that more often. Yeah, quotes are quotes are really good, and um, there are quite a few really, really, really good ones in these books. Love is for those who know the griefs of time, for it goes hand in hand with loss. Oh. And it, an eternity so burdened would be a torment, and yet, yet what else to call it? This fear and this joy. Oh man. That so good. Man, good. <laughs> so good. It reminded me of um one of my favorite quotes that I wasn't as awesome as you to write it down, but he's they're talking about I think love with midnight and midnight says it is our great gift and our great burden. Yeah. Oh, oh, and that the future, the future is for the mortal. She says, like the you know, right. the present. Oh, I remember the that one. All yeah, live in yeah. the present, and she says it is our great gift and also our great curse, or something like that, yeah. because they don't plan for the future. Because what is the future to them? It's always they're always there. You know. I thought about that a lot. Like being immortal, would you ever like time would feel it would always feel like right now forever all the because you would have no notion yeah. of like there's no finite kind of yeah. I thought no about that a lot. To do anything now. This is kind of a huge sidetrack, but like with immortality, it's like like the elves in Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. They're not invincible. So there's a big there's like a big difference between being immortal and being invincible. When elves die in Lord of the Rings, it's like it almost feels like that much bigger of a tragedy. Oh yeah. Because they never were going to. But yeah, I mean like I've like totally felt like that before, uh, in regards to like, you know, being in love and like it kinda has felt like 
burden almost sometimes oh, yeah. where it's just like, man, this is gonna it's so difficult and like I'm so vulnerable and I'm oh, it's so yeah. It's brought is... me more misery <laughs> than literally anything else in my life, but also more love and goodness, you know. Oh my god, I used to say, um, when I was going through like the the last time I was going through like a really intense breakup, I remember like I was like still smoking cigarettes. I'm like out I was like out on the sidewalk, like outside of work. I had like my phone in one hand. I was like dealing with this and like <laughs> like smoking a cigarette and this person this person I work with comes up and they're just like, Evan, are you doing all right? And I was like, Man, if I could ball up every problem that I've ever had in my life, it'd be like a golf ball compared to the fucking beach ball that is like dealing with this stuff. Like just <laughs> but it's so wild because there's a reason why so many songs are written, so many books are written. So like it's the it's the crux of everything. Yeah. And it's like why w- of course it is. Of course it's at once this beautiful amazing thing and right. also this torment. Described as a dance and also a, a battle. Yeah, like I hung on that quote for a little. I stopped reading and like thought about that for a little while just cuz like it, it was so um representative of everything that was going on in these books like right I mean like and in your own life or our own lives. Yeah. And like Vasya, um, kind of like what I touched on in the episode before this, like she has many opportunities to just be like, you know what? I'm just going to hang all this. I don't, I, I don't need to deal with any of this. And I can just get on the fastest horse in the world and just bounce out of here and not, you know, I, I, lo- I love all of you, but like, I just, she's like, got people asking her to do that. No, but that's, that's the whole point of all this is like, she has grown to the point where she's able to take love and all of those different iterations of it and everything that that means and all of the weight that that holds, right? And then like move forward and into another better place, like having a having like a deeper understanding of what, what it actually means to like have these relationships with people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's even like multiple parts where like Vasya is like chastised and ch- I'm using the word chastised. <laughs> like, there's probably like harsher words I could use, but like her family is just at certain points in all three of these books is so disappointed in her. Oh, yeah. And rightfully so a few times. Totally. She like ruins some of their lives, like <laughs> yeah. almost gets her sister's family like thrown out in shame by the entire city of Moscow. Yeah. And not to mention ruins the relationship between two cousins who are basically yeah. in charge of the whole city. And only like, through Dimitri's sheer diggity dopeness <laughs> does their relationship thrive i know i really love how i love how towards the end um dimitri is just kind of like well i mean you are pretty cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're badass yeah like what can i say vasia you are uh, probably the coolest person to ever grace the uh, the streets of this city what am i supposed to do I i shouldn't have been surprised but i was because uh, in the first book, right, him and Sasha have a little bit, of, or the second, yeah, the second book, him and Sasha have a little bit of like pressure in their relationship, and they fix it real fast in like the middle of a battle scene. They're like, "We good? We good? Yeah, we're good. Okay." And then they fight together. And then in this one, he like doesn't even allow that to really happen. He's just like totally fine. He's just playing it off for Constantine. Uh, that was a weird part when, um, so like Sasha goes up to Dimitri, and Dimitri's like sparring or something. I can't remember exactly what he's doing, and Sasha's just like, "Hey." I need to talk to you about this situation right here. And Dimitri, yes. when I was reading it, I was like, come on, Dimitri. Yeah. I, but I, I got, I got bamboozled there. That was a whole, uh, that was a whole ruse on Dimitri's mm-hmm. part. And I really liked that. 
and Dimitri's hands were tied a little bit. You know, he's like, I can't just like arrest this guy for what he did to your sister. Right. Like, he just saved the whole city. Like he's like, I gotta look at larger things than just your revenge, my man. And Sasha like kind of got it. <laughs> makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay, I have a question for you. Shoot, it doesn't have to do with Dimitri just being awesome. When Vasia returns down the Midnight Road with Sasha for the second time to go rescue Vladimir, Midnight shows up and she's like, what's up? Failed me. Failure. You're failed. All of us. And then like, I hate you. And then leaves. Like, right. what? I didn't really get that. Sasha or um, Vasia wasn't supposed to bind the bear and make him go away forever. That wasn't what was. That's not the point of all of this. Like, um, maybe Midnight could have made that a little clearer. Because that is picking <laughs> but, sides. Well, I mean, she's supposed to unite everything. Like, she's the she's like the linchpin. She's the one. Know? Yeah, kind of. I mean, she's like Neo, you know, <laughs> yeah. or or um, Anakin Luke. or whatever. Or yeah, Anakin, I, yeah, whatever. I guess not Anakin. I don't know. We don't have to get into Star Wars. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can if you really want to, but we're not going. <laughs> uh, but like, the reason Midnight was upset was kind of like we're not making any more progress by you just locking okay. up locking another one of these guys up like that's we're not the whole back point. where we started right exactly it's like that's not the point of this these two brothers need to work in in tandem with each other the world of men and their bells and their churches needs to coincide and like live uh, live alongside the old gods and you know these old spirits and things like that and it seems like you, Vasya, are the only person that's able to do this, and you're fucking it up. And you know, so that it made a lot of sense because um, I even thought getting the bear back—it was just—it was like this weird thing where, you know, Vasya gets Morazko, and then it's like without question they're gonna go take care of the bear, you know. And in my head, I was kind of like, well, right, but like, what is what is it he's doing wrong? Like exactly, like he's kind of like encouraging Constantine. I guess. But... Well, I mean, he's like creating, like he's like raising an undead army to like totally. take over the city and but raise I, I think warfare it, and play. I think it and... begs the question, though. It's like um, this is nature. And this could be me, like super reading, like way, way more into this than I need to. But like, like it's in his nature. It's what he is. It's like it is. It would be like trying to. Maybe there's like a certain kind of like homeostasis here, where like right. it'd be almost like trying to make death stop picking up the the dead. Right. You know, it, it would be like trying to destroy darkness, but not light. It's like, well, I have to have one because it's the absence of the other. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's not what it is, but I, it feels, that was it feels like what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, the bear does help. Like you can't, you can't deny that. Like that actually does happen. He does it in right. his and own glorifies weird way. In it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's like bathing in blood. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's his thing. Like, he's what like are you supposed giddy. to do? I feel like binding, like him and Morozko being in like this eternal struggle where they're one's either one's binding the other. I don't think that that was beneficial to anybody. Right. right? Like there's supposed to be a summer and there's supposed to be a winter. And all the good and bad that comes with it. Yeah, like, exactly. He, they're the yin to each other's yang. The balance. You were you were kind of questioning on this and on, on the midnight thing. And I'm glad I was able to answer it. I think. I think. I yeah. Oh, you it. did. Yeah, you did. Um, But like, I feel like. Sasha and Vasya getting caught by the Tatars. That was weird. Am I okay? What, so let me just ask was the point of that so that they could get Oleg on their side? Not the point. Like they didn't do it thinking that's what they were going to do. But was that like kind of what that whole scene was? Was like them um, kind of like recruiting Oleg? What, what scene? Like when they like stumble out in the middle of the, fo- 
like midnight road like onto Sasha, their campsite. Sasha and Vasya get caught by mm-hmm. um, Chelube. Right. And, right. I don't and, think they intended to get caught. No, that no, I don't. Accident. I don't think that, that they intended to either. But um, how key was Oleg in winning this battle? Was it like Very. really okay? Yeah, that's what I oh, thought. Oh yeah, but... like they were like not losing, but it was like it was a hard fight, and then he came down with that hammer and anvil and ended it and scattered their forces. So yeah, I guess that that needed to be there. Then I'm just I needed. Yeah, to, I th- I, the, I figured it did, and um, I mean th- these books are pretty airtight. Obviously, oh yeah, well but... I think. Part of me was just kind of like, why did that? Well, part of me was just like, why that? Why did they have that entire sequence of like getting caught and then escaping and then the um, going back was, and getting him again? Did they have um, Vladimir? Vladimir, that's yeah. what it was. Okay, so yeah, mission goal yeah. number one was to release Vladimir, and then goal number two was to be like, yo, Oleg, okay, what the I, hell? I understand now. Yeah, because so that was not even. I'm glad we got to talk about that because I think some part of me was <laughs> like, what was the point of all that? But now I understand for sure. And we never learned. We never were told this, but we were told the mechanism of why it happened and kind of just left to put the pieces together, which I think I did accurately, which is the bond formed between kin, right? That's how the Midnight Road works, is you have to find what you want and the connection to what you have. And that's why she comes along, Vasya, uh, Vasya comes along Vladimir the first time, um, just by happenstance and, and saves him. And then also why she just emerges into the middle of the Tatar's camp is because they're like formed like sasha and her are seeking him right and they're bonded by family and so that she all just makes like a lot pops of sense out where he is totally. <laughs> um, unfortunately know, he's in a terrible is, place i know i remember reading that part and i was just like oh god damn it <laughs> oh that sucks yeah at first i thought it was like a thing that midnight did to trick him that's and what then i, I was like too. actually yeah, i seriously. think it's the way i think it's the nature of the road i think midnight knew it was going to happen but she wouldn't have been able to do anything about it anyway. Yeah, I mean, she could have told him. That was still kind of an a-hole move. I know. Like, there was like, <laughs> I, I feel like Midnight, um, kind of going back to the question that you had asked, it's like, why didn't Midnight just tell Vasya, like, hey, don't go back and try to bind up the bear. Like, that's not going to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to get mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> like, she had really unclear instructions. Because, like, it would be very, I think, reasonable for someone in her position to be like, he's bad. He's clearly starting the plague and trying to kill my family and working with the guy that I hate to take over the city I love <laughs> and destroy the people who are my family. So he's obviously like not a good dude in Vasya's mind, and nor is he. But So with this book wrapping up, do you think that Vasya has earned back or maybe not earned, not even back, but just like, do you think that she's in a good spot? at the end of these books like do you do you feel like she's kind of like good with her family like everything's kind of like as settled as it can be like what do you what do you think about that yeah i mean wildness is in her nature so i don't think she's ever going to be settled really or like you know she's always going to be like a wild thing which is kind of just part of who she is and so you know i'm sure at some point along the road she'll really do something to upset Vasya or to upset uh, Olya <laughs> again and like get her turned. But like, you know, that's just kind of who she is. So yeah, I think she's as good as she can be. Um, you know, like her relationship with Mirazko, well, like it won't ever be like man and wife, husband and wife sort of thing, but they'll always be like lovers. I think they'll just kind of come and go as the season for it ebbs and yeah. flows or something, you know? Cause like, Morasco is is eternal and she is not though probably she will live long because her 
great great grandfather was the yeah that was a weird thing to just kind of toss in there yeah boom i guess we just like she was like "Ah, i gotta make sure that we everyone knows who both of our parents are because i guess they'll like (laughs) ask and think i didn't left i left a loose end (laughs) i would have been fine i roll close me too yeah Yeah, i would have been fine with a loose end but i mean it's cool that her it's cool yeah it's the scene she's like so do i get to live like a long time now roscoe's like probably (laughs) but yeah what do you think how how would she end her i think it's good i mean i i don't i felt very satisfied with the end of this trilogy like i feel like vasia really did get in like end up getting what she needed which is not necessarily what she wanted from the outset and that's that's how you know like that's that's a really good arc you know Mm -hmm. that's a really that's an interesting character to read about it's an interesting situation it's a it's a good spot to leave it off at um i i I don't know what's going to happen with um like did they like throw down the Khan army like was is it like defeated for good I mean is... I it sounded like to the point that he's not going to be bothering them for a while and also right, he had his yeah. other rival in the south right so now that guy maybe Ooh. he's going to march on him next I don't know I don't think that was really the um I guess it doesn't really I mean but that's still. kind of the nature of like countries and wars and stuff right it's like you know it's like do you ever really like win you know <laughs> i mean i don't know <laughs> it depends right. on like what like how who's far writing back, the history books yeah well and like how far back you zoom or how close up you zoom i guess right like, um but it was like they had defeated like the threat as it was um so that was really satisfying um it seems like like Sasha and Vasya's relationship ended on a really good. That, that's I was I was hoping for that. Obviously, um, her and Olga. Like Olga's probably always does. Wait, wait, does Olga know that Vasya was the one that told Morozko to take the baby instead of Olga? I think so. That's why she's like runs away. Vasya runs away from her after that happens. I think in shame because she like knows. I think so. Anyway. I can't remember that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm pretty sure she does. But I thought it interesting that Vasya gets to make that decision again to see if she's going to let the person have their own autonomy or if she's going to try to circumvent their will one more time. You know, she's with someone she loves at the edge of death again. And this time she makes the right call, which is let him decide. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it was cool that she got that test a second time. Lots and lots of growth. Yeah, we love so, so to much growth. See it. You know, someone who could do with a little bit of growth is that little a hole of a um, spirit who totally blows her cover just to gloat to Constantine. He's like, "Oh yeah," and like Medved <laughs> has been lying to you. Also, you don't believe me? She's right in there. Go oh, check yeah, it out for yourself. Like, dude, what the hell, man? You're on her side. What the heck? Not all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was stressed. Even at one point, uh, I'm like loosely remembering that there that was kind of stressed that like it's not all of the the Chirte or Chirte. Yeah, yeah, I whatever. think it's just the house ones. Um, okay, so let me just clarify: Morozko and Vasia have sex, right? Oh yeah. Okay, I didn't know if oh, that yeah. was like I didn't know if that was just like implied that like I didn't know if it was. <laughs> this sounds so stupid. I didn't know if it was like spirit realm sex or like. <laughs> <laughs> or like physical like in this room right now so right, like what happens what I mean? in midnight stays in yeah midnight. i didn't know i didn't know if it was like patrick swayze in ghost sex or like top gun or top you know, gun it was, was top it, gun <laughs> sex yeah it was top gun sex because Oya even says like are you gonna tell me like why you're not a maiden or something like oh, that oh, yeah, like, you're, you're, you're not totally a virgin right. yeah anymore. You're totally you know right. she notices yeah. there was a line um and i i almost brought this up just so i could read this line because <laughs> 
because it's such a fucking awesome line. <laughs> uh, where is it? She bent forward to breathe into his ear. Never give me orders. Command me then, he whispered back. <laughs> fucking Morozko. <laughs> yeah, dude. <It's> like, <laughs> that was so you know, great. Like, in the but when he takes her into the bathhouse, I was like, they're banging. Morozko uh, likes to be ordered around a little bit. I think so. Well, I mean, think about it, you know? He's like the especially in that midnight, you know, he was like the king, the man. So like anyone can give him his allegiance. Like he expects it. But someone like <laughs> commanding him, it's like, what? Yeah, he jumped on that. He was just like, okay, oh, he was, all me he was like, pat me the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a very, very tasteful. Very beautiful. Oh, it was very tasteful. Yeah, very, very, very well put together there. Catherine. And it was even, but... it even like covered some like finer points of that experience of like there'd be kind of like an awkwardness between them that they have to overcome. Yeah. You know, when like the totally. passion goes away for a little bit, you know, and reality strikes. It was just, I don't know, it was very well done. I want to, I want to bring up one more quote because there's just so many and I just, I'm so I just glad really you wrote the quotes cool. down. That's yeah. awesome. This one is I have plucked snowdrops at midwinter, died at my own choosing and wept for a nightingale. Now I am beyond prophecy. What a plucky thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, I know she deserved it for sure. But like, it was just, you know, can you imagine ever presenting yourself that way? Oh. <laughs> a list of your deeds. You know what I mean? Those are awesome deeds. Yeah. And like, it was just, it was, it was her. It, she's like, I am my own person now. Right. Like, I am the one that's going to choose, not only choose like, because um, you know she's very headstrong and proactive throughout these books, but uh, her confidence is well placed now. You know, like now that yeah. she's gone through like these kinds of trials, and now that she's carried these these burdens, so to speak, and done these uh, kind of awful things and learned from them, now she's beyond prophecy. Now, like she's almost—it's almost like um, like you can't you can't predict me, and by extension, like hold on to me. Right. Uh, yeah there's a lot there that Ooh, was that's, that was well said evan you took you. that deeper but i did read that specific line multiple times because i was just like oh yeah because it was like a it's like a like a bird like spreading her wings for the first time he's like oh yes like that was a hard flex and it was great yeah it's just like i mean we kind of touched on it in the episode before this but it's just like the the idea of of uh like freedom and confinement and like what those things really mean in certain contexts and the line between them I feel like Vasya was pretty reluctant to explore that line in her own kind of stubborn way for a lot of this trilogy and then became oh. a lot well uh through through a lot of, you know, I guess for lack of a better word, like trauma really, kind of almost resigned herself to like opening her opening herself up to the possibility that she's I mean she's probably wrong about her initial plans. The her initial plans were were well intentioned, but as as she went and carried them out uh, you know, some people might get hurt along the way. Um, maybe not. They're not as well thought out as you want them to be, and I can like certainly relate to that. Oh yeah. Did you notice? And I'm only like eighty percent sure on this because I didn't go back and check. But when they're on the midnight road, at one point, Vasya, making fun of her own appearance, says, "I'm no like Tamara or something," mentioning a fairy tale that gets like woman, a beautiful princess that gets chosen by the Winter King. Um, later that night. When she goes and meets with the Winter King, the, and she meets the lady outside the house that ends up being chosen by the Winter King, she has the same name, I'm pretty sure. So she like walks oh. into that fairy tale. 
No way. Really? I yeah. missed that. I totally missed I'm, that. I'm pretty sure I should look at it now and confirm yeah, that. Look at that. I remember like reading that and being like, oh, she was just making herself fun of herself for not being this beautiful princess from fairy tales. And then she walked into that very same fairy tale like two hours later. Is that the same story that Dunya was telling at the beginning of book one? Ooh, maybe so. Or maybe it's all like, but I think she was like a connected. princess or something. Yeah. Let's see, where can yeah. I find this? It was along the midnight road. I don't know if you noticed this, and I'll just say this while you're while you're looking that up. Um, did you notice that in the first two books, there was a almost like complete story being told in the very first chapter, and then in the last book, Vasya starts telling a story, but she's interrupted. And oh, I saw like I, did, I don't know. Do you am I am I just like uh, going no, like that's full? Awesome. Am I just going like full like sophomore in high school like too way too? hard into this but like i thought that really, that like, was Boondock saints is so I, much meaning oh my god no it doesn't but, like, <laughs> no it does not um but like i don't know i just saw i saw some significance there like looking back on it right where it's almost like oh god it's so cheesy i'm sorry everybody but i can't help myself uh but like it kind of has a lot of the same sentiment of like what you're talking about where like um vasia is not a character in somebody else's story Right, she's writing. Right, she's writing her own. Ooh, you know, so, oh, oh, I love I that. Was that good? No, okay. no, that's good. That's <laughs> real good. I almost didn't write that down. Like, oh, that's really good. Oh, you do. You definitely write that stuff down. It's like deeper than anything I've said. Okay, so um, I found this quote here. So she says, um, da, 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 "Am I so vain as to think that the Winter King would let himself be imprisoned for eternity for my sake? He is not a half-witted fairy tale prince, and heaven's heaven knows I am not Yelena." Yelena the beautiful um and okay. then let's find we're going we're going into the books folks we're getting we are we're turning pages chad and i each have copies of these books <laughs> <laughs> it's like my hand let's see man if i was if i was morosco and i was being worshipped by a town that was just like feeding me and letting me just chill in the town and then like some past flame came up and was like don't you remember me we got to get out of here and go fight in a war i'd be like come on like, Dude, for i'm real? really like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm at the top of my game right now uh yeah okay so here she is introducing uh the woman's introducing herself to vasya i am yelena Tomislava. oh i did not notice Boom. that yeah wow. yelena nice nice notice there Thank you. I should have looked before the episode to confirm that. Uh, I thought it was no, really you would cool. have sounded she, like, so much smarter. Scoff, I know, right? She like scoffs about it, like I am not this fairy tale, and then she walks into that fairy tale and disrupts around it. her. Yeah, and disrupts it. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, she like undoes the fairy tale. There's some weird timey wiminess happening. <laughs> I'm kind of getting the same vibe as um, doing this episode as um, as we did with the last episode for uh, Greenbone, where I'm like. Yeah, we we really kind of struck out here. Uh, wait, did we strike out? We <laughs> we uh, we did a home run. We ah, there we go. Out. Yeah. yeah, we really home run here. <laughs> we really hit. Uh, we hit two uh, kind of grand slams in a row. Um, yeah, and like like Hanius was like a, a decent like triple. You know, uh-huh. like like yeah, yeah, was but cool, dude, and your quote but, game. Ooh, oh yeah, so we're gonna tonight, we're gonna incorporate dude. that. But that um, added so much like good meaning and and incited so much good conversation. But um, yeah, like. I'm really excited to kind of like keep up our streak here uh, because like we're going to do Warbreaker mm. and I'm sure Warbreaker oh. is going to be great. Um, but then like Books of Babel, I've heard nothing but good things. Um, but like I am kind of, I had a really good time with this series. Me and, too. And I said this on the last episode, but I really did not have high hopes 
like about a hundred pages in to the first book. And then it, and then it cascaded into me really loving this. I'm just, I'm kind of sad. Like I, I, that was so immersive. So immersive. It was, it was so like wintry and it was not cozy. It was so magical. It was magical. Yeah. That was a really, it was dark and magical and weird. And if I was going to kind of like try to recommend this to somebody that hadn't really read much fantasy or anything like that, I would just say, Hey, this is grounded in some real like Russian folklore and history. And there's a bunch of weird shit in it. There's a bunch of weird magic and, and a good relatable like, story. Fantastical way. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it said it reminded me, it was like that gave me that same feeling, 10 year old Harry Potter reading for the first time. It's just so magical and immersive and just sweeps you away and it's a wonder. And I just, man, I got that from this book. Kind of in that way where you, you really have like no idea what's going to happen next. And you really have no idea like, like I had, I had certain ideas of like where the story was going to go at certain points, but not the moment to moment. Like, and I think a big part of that was the, um, I can't, I don't know if I can pronounce this word, like chert, chertay, the charity. Chir- I don't charity. know how to say it. The, it's the, um, the spirit, the spirit things. People, they just pop up now and then, and it just added so much to it. Like the world's never normal. That is such a good way of putting it. Yeah, the world <laughs> is never, but it's in a normal world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, Catherine Arden really struck a perfect balance between those two things in this book. Totally. Because, yeah, you're right. It's not cozy and comfortable like your gingerbread fairy tale. It's like cold and mean and harsh. And people are getting their like toes like snipped off from frostbite. It's, like, <laughs> it's rough, but also has that same wonder- wonderment in there, you know? Well, Chad, I'm super glad that we got to read these together. Me too. Good call. This was a Evan pick and well done, my man. Well, I mean, a lot of people have been, had been telling me um, to pick this up. Um, they were right. I think in my head, I was like, uh, is this going to be just like, I don't know. I didn't know what it was going to be. Just like, is this like, just like a family in like the forest? Right. You know, like, like all <laughs> that right. doesn't sound like, fun. That doesn't sound like, like, like the girl in the tower. Is this like, is one like a, foresty kind of retelling and then there's like is there like a rapunzel retelling or something right is there any dragons like no dragons <laughs> but i mean one of the really cool things about this podcast is it's always good to expand your boundaries of what you think you enjoy yeah i would have never picked this up on my own no i don't know i mean i, I had it I but like i don't know if i would have gotten to it because i do have so many other things but it's like that is one of the cool things and what in my opinion like kind of the point of this podcast is to like kind of like you know we can we can stretch and then kind of like retract a little bit like so we're gonna read um you know we're gonna read like warbreaker is kind of like our zone you know like oh for sure definitely some like high fantasy there and you know going back to the hearth yeah like brandon sanderson is always a great time but then i mean books of babel is i read the first book and it's way different than most other fantasy i've ever read but then we're gonna bring it back uh or no 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 then we're gonna expand again with um they're gonna expand it to the expanse no we're gonna do uh devabad oh that's right that's gonna be i'm sure like i've heard from a lot of people that it's um really really unique and yeah i mean it's it's named devabad so i think it takes place in um like egypt or the middle east um i could be super i haven't done like really hardly any research on it Um, i've done very little like desert setting fantasy but the ones that i have read i really liked so i'm uh looking forward to that but yeah, kind of expanding our 
horizons and taking everyone along with us and hopefully um, expanding some of their horizons, some of your horizons, dear listener, as well. Chad, thank you for being my my co-pilot here. On this, my man, uh, Evan. This was a wonderful journey. And Catherine uh, Arden, if you're listening to this, uh, you wrote some really, really incredible books. And I honestly don't think I'm going to forget the ride that we just went on. Nope. You wrote a beautiful story. And Evan, I appreciate uh, you and all your wisdom uh, and accompaniment in this journey as well. Good choice. Everybody, thank you so much for listening and happy reading. <laughs>